When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. Our colleague, Noel, is on an adventure. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. It's the first full week of the year as you are hearing this. Congratulations. It is officially 2021. Uh, many of us in the audience today are, are probably running some year-end bets, you know, after 2020. Predicting how another year will go is a, is a tricky, tricky thing. And we've already been inundated with bizarre stories because just because, uh, you know, Matt, as you and I were talking about in a previous segment, just because there's an arbitrary change in some digits on a calendar, it doesn't mean that the stories of 2020 stopped magically on December 31st, right? No, 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 no. Stories occurred over the holiday break. Big, big ones. And we're going to talk about one particular story that happened on Christmas Day and another that's going to hinder early celebrations in 2021, uh, I think. Yeah, yeah. 
one of the many things that will hinder celebrations. So there's something that you and I have been talking about off air for a, a number of days now, sending each other updates. It's about a terrible event that happened in my hometown over the course of uh, the Christmas holiday for people who celebrate it. Yeah, it, it happened on Christmas Day, more the morning of Christmas Day. It's a story that we immediately shared to one another, and we're talking about possibilities of what happened, why did it happen, because little information was known on Christmas Day, the, the day that it occurred. Um, we'll just read it to you. This story came to us from CNN, which was the first place I read about it at seven around seven o'clock in the morning. This is what it reads. Possible human remains found near Nashville explosion site, police chief says. It did not read as that on Christmas Day. That title has been updated. It was essentially Explosion Rocks, downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Um, and just to go through the bullet points here, on Christmas morning in downtown Nashville, on this one street, there was a large RV. Think uh, a white camper van type vehicle, fairly large. It was parked on the street. And this area, there are a lot of businesses. There are also a lot of residents who live in the buildings that kind of line this street. And people were awoken to what they thought were gunshots. Then they began hearing a woman's voice emanating from somewhere on the street saying that there was a bomb uh, on in the vehicle and that it was going to explode in 15 minutes. And it, oh, it was telling people to evacuate. It was telling people to leave the buildings of the surrounding area, which, first of all, a terrifying thing to wake up to. It's not uh, Santa coming down your chimney. You know, you got to imagine there are some families waking up to do the traditional thing of going to wherever the family gathers, where perhaps there's a tree, looking at the presents underneath the tree, if they are so lucky to, to have that tradition and to be able to continue on in 2020, a pretty rough year to try and continue that. You have to imagine that this would be just shocking, something to hear. Some people weren't taking it very seriously. Others were taking it very seriously. The local police officers there in Nashville responded. They began evacuating people themselves. There were some, at least one story of a landowner, somebody who owned one of the buildings who actually had staff and himself go down and knock on individual doors. It was a mm -hmm. hostel mm -hmm. uh, where he was like getting people out of the, the hostel this countdown within this RV continued until there was a large police force and they had to take it seriously. So everyone backed off. They evacuated everyone that they could. And this, this RV exploded, exploded. It, it damaged a, a ton of buildings. I think 40 buildings in total that were damaged in this explosion. I saw 41. But, okay. Yeah. But the, again, the, as you said, Matt, this is uh, continually being updated, and I do want to give a shout out to the uh, the great work so far of the Nashville PD, particularly Police Chief uh, John Drake. He's one of the mm -hmm. people who was sending the officers in to do that door-to-door -door evacuation while that message is, is playing. If you can hear this message, evacuate now. If mm -hmm. you can hear this message, evacuate now. Uh, I believe the bomb squad was actually on the way right? When the explosion occurred? Correct. That, that is exactly what occurred. And what, what everyone heard right towards the end there before the bomb exploded was a recording of Petulia Clark's downtown. And you may not 
recognize mm-hmm. that song when you just hear me say it, but just when listen to this. Da, 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 da. Downtown. Do you do you get it? That that's uh, what was playing. Interestingly you know enough. <laughs> I know you get it, Ben. But um that song was playing right at the end before the explosion occurred. Um, immediately in the aftermath, after the fires were put out, because there were, there were extensive fires in a lot of the buildings, windows were blown out. There were numerous injuries of people who were hit by glass and just other uh, injuries due to that explosion. Thankfully, there were no casualties uh, outside of one person who is believed to have been in the RV when it exploded. And that was only initially discovered because there were what appeared to be human tissue or remains Mm. kind of unfortunately strewn about uh, the area after the explosion. Now, at this point, you can go to any news outlet and read about this explosion. It became big news. Um, Looking at Chicago Tribune, New York Times, CNN, really anywhere you can find information about this. There's been a lot of developments. There is one person who is believed to have perpetrated this attack, I suppose. Uh, I I was having a discussion with my wife right before we went on air here about whether or not this would be considered domestic terrorism, a, a, an act of domestic terrorism. Right. I want to put this out there and I'd love to know what you think, uh, Ben, as well as you listening out there. It feels like it's writing a line between what would be considered an act of domestic terrorism and something else. And I only say that because of this warning system that was on Mm. there. Um, It feels as though, while I cannot prove this, and, uh, you know, authorities are attempting to prove whatever the motive was behind this whole thing, it feels like the motive was not to hurt anyone, or at least any humans. It feels that way because it was warning. Whoever set it up, set it up to warn surrounding people in the area to get away. It feels as though the goal was to destroy buildings, I suppose, or infrastructure, or for some other means outside of causing direct harm to others. It, it feels that way to me, and I don't know if that is what would differentiate this between an act of domestic terror and an act of... I, I don't know, some kind of anti-government violence. And what's the difference, right? I know there's a very philosophical thing to think about immediately here in the show, but I just wonder what you would think, Ben. Yeah, so um, let me step back a couple uh, couple steps and then get to your sure. final question there. Okay, so so the uh, everything that you just said, Matt, uh, about the circumstances regarding the explosion are correct. And we can get, we can explore information about the kind of explosion, right, the, mm-hmm. that occurred, because not all explosions are created equally. Uh, to your question, however, about domestic terrorism, it's defined in the most simple terms as committing terrorist acts in one's own country against one's fellow citizens. Mm. Is this against citizens? Is this against property? Is this vendetta motivated? You know, right now we don't, we don't know. I'm sure I'm not the only person who immediately thought of the tactics of the weather underground when Mm. I heard of the, the initial explosion, those early, early hours of Christmas day, 
uh, whether underground is considered a radical left militant organization or domestic terrorist group. And they did, uh, in several cases, they used some of the same tactics that uh, this person, I don't think we've said their name on air yet. Have we met? We have not said their name because this person, this, the person is currently suspected. Person of of interest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, And primarily because of, he is linked directly to the RV that exploded mm-hmm. as well as, I mean, there's currently DNA testing being done on the tissue that was found at the scene and also yeah. by his family uh, on his family members to try and link it. Yeah. And I think the initial tip off was uh, not, not just the human remains in the RV, but a hat and a pair of gloves that Correct. came with the tip that allowed, allowed some DNA matching here. So, is this domestic terrorism the tricky part here? What I'm picking up from what you're saying with the philosophical nature of it is that terrorism depends on uh, ideology and motivation to a large degree. So mm-hmm. if you are a mentally unstable person and you feel you have been wronged by a specific other person or institution, like you got fired from your job or you were spurned by a would-be lover, et cetera, and then you commit a, a suicide attack to harm that person, to teach that person that institution a lesson, is that domestic terrorism? By the most simple definition, yes, because you are a citizen of a country, you are attacking fellow citizens, but there's not a larger motivation. There's not like... Yeah. The, you don't feel this is a, a divine mandate or you're not trying to tip the socio-political scales, you just want to get even with that person that you feel has wronged you. So if that's the case, I, I would say right now the media is being very careful with mm-hmm. how they've phrased this stuff. Uh, and it's no secret that the U.S. media has a very real problem with transparency and honesty when it comes to domestic attacks, right? Militant separatist groups, storming Michigan. I know that that's something uh, that we've all heard about. We haven't talked much about on air. Uh, Those are, for some reason, the media is reticent often to call those acts of terrorism. So it's natural that the public would accuse the mainstream media of purposely shying away from the label terrorism here. But also there is no manifesto. Yeah. Exactly. There is no statement that says, I am bringing glory to some religion or I'm bringing attention to some great injustice by blowing myself up in this RV or seeming to. There's, there's, no, there's no moral to the hmm. tale or to, the, to this heinous act. So at I least was, not that we know of yet. At right? least not that we know of. So with that, if we find something like that, and if this is a suicide attack, the odds of there being something like that are pretty high. Uh, If we find it, that can change the conversation. But right now, depending on how uh, sophisticated you want to get with your definition of terrorism, it's missing some key pieces of that definition. I I would tend to agree. And I think that it makes for an interesting discussion, uh, at least as we're being illuminated to all of the facts. The one of the things we can analyze, though, is where the RV was parked when it was exploded, because it could have been parked anywhere. It was drivable up until early that morning. The police weren't called until around 530 in the morning. I believe that's central time, I think, in Nashville. Um, 
And they, when they arrived, they were responding to shots called. Remember, we told you a lot of the residents woke up to what they thought were shots being fired. Um, and they found the RV parked at 166 Second Avenue North. That is in downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting when you're thinking about the target of this location, there was a place called the Melting Pot. There were a bunch of eateries. There was a Hooters right up the street from where it was. BB parked. Kings is there too. BB Kings was there. Um, but the other interesting thing was an AT&T transmission building. A switching, uh, what do they call that? Uh, no, not a switching board. Switching um, station? Maybe a switching station. I can't remember the actual name. The one, that weird building in New York City that Ooh. we analyzed. With no <laughs> windows. It's just in the middle of Manhattan. Nobody thinks that's weird. And yes, <laughs> if you like us, linger too long, even across the street, then security will come out and give you the stink eye. Yeah, but, yeah. Don't, but don't, yeah, those buildings are everywhere. Don't do it. But this was, this building was there immediately where the where the RV was parked and there was extensive damage caused to that building and uh, internet service was disrupted there within Nashville and and in the surrounding areas the 911 call service was disrupted in the immediate area and surrounding areas it caused a lot of damage to that AT&T infrastructure when this bomb exploded and you know if you're thinking about motives perhaps that could have been it there could have been some kind of vendetta against AT&T or mm. maybe it was just a way to cause a lot of damage to something. Again, this is me projecting, but cause a lot of damage to the system or some system of sort without causing a lot of uh, human casualties. Again, like I'm ascribing this to this situation to whoever carried this attack out because of that warning system, and only because of that warning system. We'll pause to pick up the story of the Nashville explosion once more after a word from our sponsor. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. 
I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop. Podcast producer? Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With their easy to use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 2424. Two four to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. And we're back talking about the Nashville bombing that occurred on Christmas. Yeah, well, let's, you know, let's unbag the badger here a little bit because we see some possibilities and I know a lot of our fellow listeners are already thinking of these, right? There's been uh, many people have been reaching out to us uh, on, on Facebook, on Twitter and Instagram as individuals. You know, I, I've been receiving a lot of news about this from, from people who don't even know about the show, just my friends who live mm-hmm. in Nashville. And there is a real fog of war and uncertainty here. So that's why Matt, you and I are being very, very careful to say these things are alleged, there's speculation, we want to make sure that we're not telling you something is absolutely true unless we know it is. First thing you thought about, many of us listening, once you learn about the AT&T switching station and the fact that the mm-hmm. infrastructure was disrupted is, was this a, um, was this a 5G motivated attack mm. similar to the multiple attacks on uh, different communications infrastructures in Europe, right, in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, That's that's a very, I'm going to say that's possible just because we don't have anything that disproves it. Um, Matt, of course, I I think we both know what you, what I don't want to say what you want it to be, but I know what, you know, the the scenario in your head is. Well, I'll tell you what I thought when I initially was reading about this. And uh, this is a fictional scenario in Matt Frederick's head. Everyone listening, this is not real. This is just what played out in my mind. I have a, an extensive note on my phone about this. To me, the way the story was reading, I thought this was some kind of intentional act to knock out the 911 system, and then there was going to be a series of or one large maybe bank heist or some other kind of robbery or electronic transfer of funds that this explosion was meant to cover. One, because it was on Christmas Day, uh, a day when even, you know, the law enforcement is strained because um, a lot of the officers are hopefully celebrating with their family and you've got, you know, members of law enforcement who have to be there. But it would be a, I, I think, maybe I'm completely wrong, maybe the Nashville authorities could correct me, but it seems like you would have fewer officers on the ground that day. 
And if, you know, you would certainly have fewer businesses open, many, many businesses here in the United States and across the world close on Christmas Day, even if they are meant to be open. And to me, this was like either a distraction so that activity could occur maybe on the other side of the river somewhere in Nashville or, you know, maybe in a neighboring state even where the 911 systems would be affected. Uh, like an inside job or something where someone was aware that if this location was targeted, then this, you know, X would occur. That's at least what was playing out in my mind. It it doesn't mean that was true at all. And especially it, I, my thinking changed once I found out that there was human remains so that somebody was in the vehicle when it exploded. Mm-hmm. Another possibility uh, that one I originally thought of is you have to look for the boring stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, we have to look for the boring stuff. We have to look for the um, hard quantitative motivations, if such exist, if there's not something philosophical. So one big possibility would have been insurance fraud. Think about it. This was also this is what I was thinking before they found the remains. Uh, why insurance fraud? Well, a lot of those businesses are struggling in, in a very real way. The pandemic is an existential threat. So if you have, let's say, 10 or 12 or however many business owners get together and say, you know, we're all hurting. What if this RV blows up and we can then legally insurance has to pay us and they can't put the finger on any one person because we'll all just uh, we'll all just conspire to keep it secret. That has too many moving parts, uh, but it, you know, uh, that idea went back to the drawing board in my mind when we learned about the remains. Matt, I think at this point, to continue the conversation, we're going to have to say the guy's name on air. Oh, yeah. Ben, you are correct. Let's go ahead and name the alleged suspect here, the person of interest, the man who, you know, was allegedly inside the RV when it exploded. His name was Anthony Quinn Warner. He was 63 years old, and we know some interesting things about him. Ben, uh, you want to go through a couple of those those things just so we know about his person? Then we can, we've got some statements from neighbors and people who knew him. Uh, so we know that Warner was a longtime resident of Nashville. He was 63 at the time of this event. Uh, he had held several IT jobs over the course of his career. He had deep experience with electronics, with alarm systems. Uh, he had been working as an independent technician with a real estate firm called Friedrich and Clark. That adds a piece to the speculation regarding AT&T infrastructure, uh, that also adds, as much as I hate to say it, that adds a possible piece to the 5G thing. Again, neither yeah. of these are proven at this point, but one of the biggest things we found about him so far is that he knew his way around the electronic block, right? Yeah, it's true. And actually, there was a suburban home that was searched in connection to the RV, in connection to Anthony Quinn Warner, where they believe they found some materials that could have been used to create a, a bomb or series of bombs. Um, I want to give you a message here from a person named Rick Laud, L-A-U-D-E, who was a neighbor of Anthony Warner. And he says that um, just standing outside by the mailbox, you know, a little conversation with a neighbor, you've um, you've likely done this before. Laud was talking to Warner and uh, 
Lodge just asked something kind of simple, like, hey, is Santa going to bring you anything good for Christmas? And the man, the suspect here, said, oh, yeah, Nashville in the world is never going to forget me, is what this, that's what this neighbor is saying or recalling. Um, that, you know, if true, and if recalled correctly, then that feels like a statement that would lead someone to believe this guy was going to kill himself, or at least carry out an act that would be in the news. Mm -hmm. He also had told some folks when asked what he was going to do over the holiday break, he told some folks he was just going to go in the woods uh, with his dog. And he was he was a dog guy had a lot of dogs, but apparently they had all passed by that point. So the dog he was talking about, it's a small thing to worry about. But for Mm -hmm. all the fellow dog lovers in the audience, we don't think he took any pooches with him. Uh, He also he also did a lot of things that are in retrospect, indicative of someone planning to end their lives. He transferred ownership of his home to a person in Los Angeles. He told his business clients that he would no longer be working. Oh, when he gave this home away, he literally gave it away. Zero dollars. That's the price. Just transferred ownership. Didn't Mm -hmm. sell it. Just, I'm done with this. It's an interesting thing. November 25th, too. So about a month before this happens. Exactly. And he had also just given away a vehicle to somebody. Again, he just gave it to somebody and he told that person, allegedly, that he had been diagnosed with cancer. Um, Mm. If true, that could be a reason why this sounds, oh God, I don't even want to say it. That could be a reason why maybe Anthony, if it was him in that RV and he was the person who carried it out, a reason for him to not want to continue and would explain why he was giving all these things away. Conversely though, it could be that he knew he was going to carry this out. He'd been planning it for a long time. And the story about cancer was just an excuse to make somebody, you know, take a vehicle and go away and just believe that so that he could do what he wanted to do. Yeah. But he had no, you know, also the neighbor, it's interesting. The neighbor, uh, who was a truck driver, a little bit younger than Warner says that, the guy never seemed to have any closely held or radical ideologies or beliefs. He didn't even have uh, political signs in his yard or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was low key to the point of um, low key to the point of being somewhat mysterious. You know, as mm-hmm. one of those neighbors you never see come and go. He doesn't seem to have a ton of friends, kind of person. But again, this is all based off. Uh, what is being reported from the neighbors. And it's doubtless that the that local law enforcement has more information that they are, uh, you know, at this point, not solid enough on to bring to the public. Uh, there is or, also, or they're keeping it for investigation purposes, right, right? Right. There is also, so the DNA is confirmed, the VIN, the vehicle identification number, the RV matches, shows that Warner owns it. Uh, the type of explosive, I think, is still under investigation. But at this point, yeah, one of the first things you want to make sure you're aware of is whether there are any co-conspirators, mm-hmm. right? So they don't want to put too many details out there until they're certain the guy acted alone. The FBI is um, has officially stated that is the case. But it leaves it still leaves us with a lot of questions. What 
what is the motivation? It clearly was not to hurt other people. I mean, it certainly feels that way. That warning, you can go online and find a video, a couple videos, I believe, where it plays that audio. You can hear the female recorded voice giving the warning. I have not seen any videos online that actually have that song downtown playing right before the explosion. You can see some videos of, I think there's one on Twitter that's circulating right now of a police officer walking about a block away from the RV just before it explodes. But it does seem as though that that system that, you know, included the bomb was meant to get people out. So it didn't kill people other than the occupant of the RV, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And and look, just because there weren't multiple people, there are multiple fatalities, doesn't mean something is not an act of domestic terrorism. You know, uh, an act of domestic terrorism can be a non-lethal attack on non-human things. So sure, as long as it makes uh, strikes fear in the hearts of people living in that area, right? Right, or brings publicity to an ideology or an aim. So right now what we're looking at uh, is a black box of motive. We do not know uh, what inspired Warner. We have shared the speculation Uh, the potential motives that existed at the time. But one thing is clear, he was planning to do this. He put thought into it. Uh, He had a relatively sophisticated uh, system for an independent, as you might want, you know, it's a cold way to say it, but, you know, as someone who's not part of a a larger network, if indeed he is not. Um, One last thing I just thought about, Ben, it occurred in the morning, in a district filled with bars. Right. So if it occurred at night, casualties would have been much higher just because of the chaos and confusion that would have occurred. There's going to be lots of music playing inside, mm-hmm. you know, in these bars where maybe it would drown out the sounds that were happening on the street where people wouldn't be warned. Um, intoxicated people, you know, maybe getting too close. I've, the timing is also leading me to feel like casualties were not the priority. Yeah, yeah, totally. You're right. There was a lot of deliberation put into the location, put into the planning of this. So we know that hurting other people or killing other people was not the point. And certain steps were taken, deliberate steps were taken to minimize the the possibility of hurting someone else. And of course, the three people who are uh, on record as being injured are in recovery. They're not, these are not life-threatening injuries. One thing uh, that we're all waiting to learn, and something that'll come out in the coming days, surely, is the uh, type of explosives, right? Mm-hmm. How was the bomb constructed? How was, was this something he made at home? Was this, you know, like military explosives tend to have darker smoke and they're more fuel rich. Commercial explosives have lighter smoke. And if you get some bomb experts in there, like the bomb squad that was on the way, then they will be able to tell pretty quickly what was used and how it was uh, constructed. One thing that we can say baffles the authorities right now is just that it's unusual. If Warner built the bomb himself, it's unusual for an independent to do that on this level of explosion. Mm -hmm. Because it's definitely a skill. People get trained for it. For sure. 
Well, Ben, I think it's safe to say we will continue following this story as it develops. And, you know, maybe we'll have an update on one of these episodes as soon as we know more. Uh, but maybe this is the end of the story and we won't hear anything else. Who knows? We'll certainly keep our ears and eyes peeled for it, though. And for now, what do you say we take a break and come back with some more strange news? When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn criminal trials for one of those candidates, young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs, on-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. We have returned. Uh, this was a dark, disturbing, but necessary segment. So we'd spent some extra time on that. That's something we could do in these episodes, which is great. We're going to go to something a little gross. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's something that involves uh, burning, painful sensations. 
Uh, no. Especially when you're when you're urinating, uh, maybe a greater frequency or urgency of urinating, maybe a little bit of a pus-like discharge, sometimes ah. called a drip. Why not? That's right. That's right, conspiracy realist, uh, fellow geniuses and lunatics. This segment is about gonorrhea. (laughs) Good Lord. Good Uh, Lord. uh, You like how we're selling it as a positive thing? Ah, Yes. Gonorrhea. Uh, Also known as the clap. It's funny because uh, the clap is the slang term for this STD that comes from a 13th century French word, clapor. Hmm which means rabbit hutch. Oh. Because oh. rabbits are notoriously amorous, right? Yeah, for, for sure. Um, just a, this is a post-introduction to the segment warning for any children or adults <laughs> listening with their kids. <laughs> right, right, yes. Uh, this is a serious thing, and it's something it is, it is. that we caught in the news and we wanted to share this. Uh mm-hmm. So this is fascinating to us because a number of years ago, um, Matt, you and I looked into the terrifying world of super diseases, the years and years before COVID, uh, I think even before the earlier ones that everybody forgets about, like MERS and so on. Um, we were we were just looking at the math and we were looking at the uh, expert guesstimations and it was clear. It was a disease on the way. Uh, now, it seems that we were unfortunately, like many other people, were unfortunately correct to a degree about a global pandemic. But we, like many other people, were not fully cognizant of the ripple effects, the knock-on effects. One of the results of the coronavirus pandemic is the creation of newer uh, or more evolved diseases and infections. And that's how we got to super gonorrhea. Uh, this, what was it we said in the, the original super, super disease stuff? The problem was the use, the overuse and overprescription of antibiotics. Is that correct? Correct. That is the major issue. The overprescription of antibiotics to a human patient, as well as the end user taking antibiotics incorrectly like spreading a dosage out for too long and not taking two pills instead of one pill or, you know, just doing it slightly incorrectly to where the microorganisms inside that patient then can or have the potential to grow stronger and gain some kind of immunity uh, to that treatment. Mm -hmm. But one of the biggest things, Ben, that we discussed was livestock and Mm -hmm. antibiotics that are pumped into everything from chickens to cows to pigs to prevent that those livestock from getting sick or <laughs> to what what was it they're living in terrible conditions already so the antibiotics right. are just a way to make sure some of the meat is still good <laughs> it was like a disgusting thing yeah, we found out it's it's uh terrifying and i think you if you listen back to whatever we called it the superbug or something mm-hmm. of that nature uh you can you can see you know we're safe we're not trying to be alarmist but uh it, it's true no hold on Guys, you might be saying to yourself, I mean, Doc might be saying this off mic. uh, (laughs) Hold on. Someone is saying doubtlessly, I am not necessarily a a medical expert, but I know that coronavirus is a virus. Antibiotics don't work on viruses. What's going on? 
That's what? for bacteria, man. Yeah, that's for bacteria, bro. Uh, so here's the deal. Doctors, nurses, medical staff at ICUs and at these overwhelmed hospitals are using a lot of antibiotics, not because of coronavirus, but because there's so much bacteria, so many other infections floating around the wards now, and some of it is becoming increasingly resistant to the typical treatments. So we're adding this problem onto the existing problem of overprescription, right, of the, uh, the dangers of the livestock industry. But now the bill is coming due. I uh, do also want to shout out that people to the people who said super gonorrhea was a thing before COVID. Uh, yes, maybe, but not as much of a thing. The World Health Organization has known about the threat of something like this for a long, long time. And they have, as always, they've been kind of waving the red flags and shouting at the horizon, watch out for the rise of the superbugs. Uh, you know, think about this. So the clap is curable. The clap is treatable. Not everything is. Not every STD is. Uh, what happens when there are more dangerous diseases or diseases with uh, longer, more deleterious, dangerous effects? What happens when they just stop listening to antibiotics? Mm. Where does that leave us? In a terrible, terrible place. You mentioned that humans have known about these superbugs for a long time. Again, we talked about it, God, I don't know, 2013, 2014, something like that. My, just as an anecdote here, my grandfather passed away in 2013, not because he fell and broke his hip and had to get a replacement, but because after the successful surgery, while he was in a hospital bed, he contracted a superbug. And it was just something that was, again, like you said, floating around in the ward while he was there. He caught it while he was at the hospital and he died um, because of it. Again, not trying to scare anyone, but this is a real possibility right. that the recovery from a surgery or from some injury being forced to be in a hospital or some other medical facility it can be really dangerous because these these things are becoming so resistant and it is not it's not existential it is very much real right well think about um think about pneumonia right a lot of people will contract pneumonia as a result of covid you know when this is not a ding on the doctors who are no. working around the clock and doing their very best often without the support or infrastructure that they should have several things cause pneumonia bacteria viruses fungi so on so you would want to also have to treat that pneumonia while you have the person there, right? Because we want to keep them alive. And I think it was back in 2017, uh, Bruce Wiley wrote a piece for Forbes. He's a, he's a writer at Forbes where he noticed that the WHO World Health Organization listed strains of gonorrhea as the world's most dangerous potential superbugs. The scary thing about this is hearing antibiotics can't help your infection for something like this is a lot like, and these are these are Lee's words, credit where it's due. He says, it's a lot like saying no one can fly the airplane or the whole of the cruise ship you're on is made out of pickles. <laughs> uh, because there's, you know, it's a throw up your hands situation. What can we do when the established treatments don't work? Uh, 
pickles float. I mean, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, pickles <laughs> do float sometimes. So the danger here is twofold, I would say. First, yes, it is true that these super bugs do exist. Uh, they are on the way. And it's not a good thing for people in general and for a lot of other animals that are capable of carrying these infections. However, this stuff was around before it started recently trending on Twitter. People had confirmed cases of super gonorrhea in 2018. And this uncurable clap, or very difficult to cure clap, has already made the rounds in different parts of the world. but. Now we're in a different situation. Medical resources are strained as they have not been at any time in most people's lifetimes, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the services and support structure that would help people who had uh, contracted some kind of STI or STD, those services are past the breaking point because the main thing we're focusing on is trying to combat the spread of COVID and to also not let the hundreds of thousands of people who were going to the hospital anyway for non-COVID-related conditions, we want to keep them alive and healthy too. Like, you don't want to go in to get, let's say you're going in to get a, um, a surgery, something, an elbow surgery. Mm -hmm. You don't want to go out of there with a better elbow and a case of COVID. No, not at all. Not at all. And, and it, ugh. it's just, a, it's a scary that's a scary possibility. The most mundane thing that you'd need to go to a hospital for and then other superbugs just hanging out in there because everybody needs help, no matter who you are. That's God, that's just, ugh. What do we do in the future, Ben? What do we do in the future? Well, here's the thing about the immediate future, uh, my friend. Since thankfully, one of us, you, were smart enough to put a, a, a disclaimer that this is not the kid-friendly segment oh, of yeah. the show. Uh, sure. so we, we can speak frankly. Uh, people are going to be going at it like rabbits post-pandemic, post-lockdown. I mean, look, folks, I, if you've been to a grocery store recently, you notice there's a weird energy in the air. That's like, <laughs> that's, that, well, that because people are seeing other people in person, maybe for the only time that week, you know, unless they have a job where they run into other people in person. So I predict, you know, we talked about this last week, the quarantines, you know, as, as the future will call them, there's going to be a noticeable, I would say, population bump from people, um, people who are stuck at home and had children during the lockdown. But then when we're post lockdown, we're going to have a lot of people who are like single and ready to mingle uh, and, and hopefully staying safe while they do so. But the, the immediate knock-on effect of that is that is great timing for an infection because anything that becomes a superbug due to this perfect storm of COVID, uh, it's also going to have a tremendous opportunity to spread because, uh, not to be crass about it, there will be a certain segment of the population who is making up for lost time. That is the most diplomatic way I can put it. How, do, how does that sound? Do you agree with that? What do you, am I overstating the case here? No, I, you're not at all. I have so many friends who have gotten pregnant since the lockdown began, and most of them are in committed relationships. So it's less of a, you know, worry about getting some kind of STI. Um, but I don't have much uh, experience in that, uh, that fresh out of the quarantine dating 
situation, but I can only imagine, (laughs) I can only imagine what it will be like. And I think what you're describing is rather accurate. You know, I think that's very fair, Matt. And of course, you know, not here to yuck anybody's yum. Live your life to the fullest extent. Uh, Just be safe so you can live it for the longest extent as well. Good news. There's no super syphilis yet. There are super bugs and they are things you need to be aware of, but we're not quite at the dystopian level of, um, you know, 12 monkeys or something. You remember 12 monkeys? I do. I do. Rewatched it recently, Matt. It's a little more campy than I thought it was when I was a kid. It's well, I mean, it's Gilliam, right? It's yeah. (laughs) There's an oddness to it. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it watching it again, though. Very, very much. And while you're thinking about that, dystopian diseases and sci-fi, let's let's end with something maybe I should have done earlier. The differences between uh, garden variety, gonorrhea, and super gonorrhea. Okay. So this super strain is one of the world's oldest sexually transmitted infections. If it is untreated, The super strain version, super gonorrhea, can lead to a five-fold increase of HIV transmission. It can also lead to eye infections that can, in some cases, cause blindness. As we record, there are more than 90 million cases of gonorrhea worldwide every year, and the number is growing by 17%. Back in 2014, the CDC estimated that up to 5 million people in the U.S. could be infected with gonorrhea in 10 years. Uh, if you're in the U.K., then you are uh, you have the dubious distinction of living in the country with the highest gonorrhea rate in the continent of Europe. And now these, now these cases are on the rise because more people have to go to hospitals. So we're seeing the same problems we saw earlier with multiple superbugs Uh, But now, in a very real way, we are seeing the cost, the consequences of this. So be Mm. safe. I I know this is a bit of a buzzkill, but you know what? You know what, Matt? It should be a bit of a buzzkill. Maybe that's the the ethical thing for us to do here is be be buzzkills. Yeah. Be safe, though. Uh, Be safe. We hope that you uh, have an excellent 2021, or at least we hope it's off to a good start. Uh, We know that the world is a crazy place riddled with plot twists, and we enormously appreciate uh, your time going on this crazy journey with us. That's right. Here is to another year of stuff they don't want you to know and strange news and all kinds of plot twists because we're going to have them. You know, they're going to be more in 2021. It's not like this is going to be the best year ever after that, which was 2020 the one we almost don't speak about but um (laughs) it's gonna be interesting and we'll be with you for the ride so let's continue on if you want to reach out to us for any reason you can find us easily on social media on twitter and facebook we are conspiracy stuff on instagram we are conspiracy stuff show you can also find us at youtube.com slash conspiracy stuff you can watch us have these discussions if you wish uh, I don't know why you would want to watch anything that's going on up here, but you can. And that's that's really what's important, right? You can. And, you know, I, I've been dithering over whether to say this, folks, but I know there are some um, concerns about confidentiality and stuff like that. So I want to 
I want to volunteer. You're not obligated. But if there's something that you're more comfortable about talking to a person directly with, uh, then you can always find me on Instagram or Twitter and just send me a message. Uh, the names are out there. You can also call us directly. Uh, we are one eight three three stdwytk You have three minutes. Those three minutes are yours. They belong to you. They are your canvas upon which to paint. Let us know what's on your mind. Let us know what you think of the recent news, the future plot twist. Uh, most importantly, help us out with suggestions for shows you think your fellow listeners will enjoy. And we're doing something interesting here, a little switch. If you don't want us to use your name or use your voice, then say so. Otherwise, if you call, we're going to assume it's cool. That's right. And be aware that uh, we can see your number when you call. It's like any other voicemail like you have on your phone. We just see your number. So you might get a call back. Just be aware of that. Okay. And if none of that, uh, if none of that is really really hitting the right stride with you, then uh, never fear. There's one way you can always contact us. No matter what, no matter where, no matter when. That is our good old-fashioned email address where we are. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch strata coaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. 
With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.